we're on this ride, and we need to understand that the ride's going to have twists and turns. Let's get let's ha- let's be happy about this idea that we're on a journey together, and really tune into the journey itself. Like ride the ride, ride it, right? Learn from it, build the toolkit, build the build the foundation, build our processes so they make sense and it can be evergreen if we want to do more later. So we are really learning as we're doing, um, but but nonetheless, like respect the journey. The journey is it. Right to your point about being disruptive and changing the world. Like if if we're very aware of what we're doing while we're doing it, then we can change the world. If we feel like we got lucky and we don't know the the engineering of building the the clock itself, right? Then it's going to be hard to unpack it. And so we're very very diligent about like what we're building and how we're building it on a day to day basis, which I love. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Jamari Pinkert is the CEO and Managing Director of Pronghorn. It's a standalone business established to cultivate the next generation of Black entrepreneurs, executive leaders, and founders within the spirits industry through sustainable investment, incubation, and recruitment. Jamari is a leader in brand strategy, marketing, and finance with a long history of working in the food, beverage, and spirit industries. He is also the chairman and co-founder of Hella Cocktail Company. It's an exciting brand of botanically inspired mixers and beverages that has exploded onto the cocktail and bartending scene. They offer daring tastes that elevate and expand cocktail culture for everyone. My first question for Jamari was telling me about where he grew up and influences that he had early on in his life. Thanks. uh, And it's good to see you. So, So thanks for having me on the program. I'm honored. I know the kind of guests that like show up here and like, I got to yeah, pay homage it's, too. So I feel like I'm in good hit. company. It's gone <laughs> down. Okay, so lately, I'm so, accepting. Uh, got it. So I belong here. No, I no, you're bringing, it, you're bringing it up. I'm bringing it back up? Okay, we're, <laughs> we're bringing it back up. No, no, no. So we, we've had our, our on-the-court battles and things like that and, and oh, on yeah. the court. And so um, which want to make sure that, you know, thank you for sharing the space with me, number one, right? But yeah, no, uh, to the point of like, man, the journey, right? Like the few things that kind of like solidify my kind of early stages growing up in, in Queens, New York, specifically a, a neighborhood called Ravenswood, which is so fun and crazy at the same time. The few things that I think like were kind of that anchored me in the ground and almost like, let's call it like saved my life in a certain way. When you come out of New York, you know, New York, it's, it's rambunctious in so many ways. And so I, those things are like that. My mom and dad were very, very staples in the home, right? Like the home was a safe space to share information, to learn about new things. And for everyone else in the community that felt like they had a safe space to do that as well. And so home became this place of like sharing information, but our love language was food, right? So that was a center plate of the setting the stage for like home and like family and friends that were invited into the home that felt safe and ability to have that sharing of information always around food. And so like that became one of the anchors in the ground that set the tone for a lot of what I am is today, but also understanding how to navigate many different types of people. Right. And like when you come from an upbringing, like I do, it's not that necessarily it's about black and brown being poor. It's about socioeconomics being poor. So everyone's in the same jambalaya together. And so you're navigating different cultures, 
different people's upbringings, different kind of all in the same. And so like, for me, that was really like something that unlocked a lot of understanding of how to navigate and how to work and how the world worked in a lot of ways. I had a a best friend that was Korean. And we, when we went to his house, I was down the street. We would like, there was no table, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we would yeah. sit down and sit down on the carpet, take off our shoes and like eat whatever kind of rice and, and octopus and whatever they were making. Yeah. He's like, wow, this is a different, like I never did this before. And so I had that kind of like disposition towards different people for a long time. And so I think that set the tone for my aperture for sitting in other people's seats and understanding, you know, how to navigate and, and really be part of a community, right? Yeah. So I think, communities interplayed into like food. And so like a lot of those things were anchors in the ground where mom and dad were like staples and they worked hard. And my mom has been a teacher for 40 years. My dad worked at the MTA, the transit, you know, selling the tokens for 30 years, right? So that's an everyday 6 a.m. like discipline grind, which in a lot of ways, they helped me solve for kind of choice while they were solving for like a chance at opportunity, right? And so like they kind of put those anchors in the ground so early that like, We've already made our choices and these are the chances we took. You have now unlimited choice to like create your own footprint. And so the idea to like use your voice and create your footprint became like, go, like there's no doors closed, like figure it out. Like you can open the door. Yeah. You know, that that's incredible when you talk about your parents and the amount of years and you must have just watched them get up and work and go and with yourself and with, we'll get into it, starting your business and businesses and and now where you are, that must have and still must play a huge impact on you every day when you start work. Yeah, no, it's it's real. There's, there's a, a certain like battery that's in my back that started when I was a kid, right? Even like me and my dad used to do the 6 a.m. shift down at the transit authority and i used to go to school about an hour away so we both got up at like 5 30 right and i was going to high school and he was going to work and so like the battery was like of course we're doing of course this is what we do like there was no other way to do it and so i think throughout my career having that like battery times the work ethic you know we played hoops so you know i played hoops in college i played i played baseball so add like sports and the discipline of like practice to the discipline of like of watching people go to work every day i'm like oh well you practice and you're at work like this is just like an excellent, like, you know, this is, this is the way things get done. Not knowing like where they go, but like knowing like whatever it is, like, this is how it gets done. So like, just do this part and figure the rest out later. But absolutely the battery was in the back and it was like something that was almost like blessed upon me without me knowing about it. See, now I know on the court where your grind comes from and no die attitude. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question at the end, because I've had two other guests that have played with us over the last 20 years. And, and, and you don't have to answer this now, but it was the question is if you had to compare one aspect to your business and how you run your business to how you play ball, I want to very, know. Very, very similar. I, I got it for you. Very, very similar. You know, tell me now, because I think I know what it is. Cause, no, cause... no, we'll get to it because I think it'll bow tie all this stuff together. I'll save it because I think, all I, right. I think, yeah, I think we'll get to it. Yeah. All right. Perfect. So, so talk to me. So, Coming out of school, first off, I know you ended up, I think, where'd you end up going to school and then and coming out at uh, UPenn? Yeah, yeah. No, I did uh, I did a few years at Fairleigh Dickinson. Shout out to them for getting to the tournament this year. Not um, you show that. Yeah, we, we were recently, our team from 96 was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame because we went to the tournament back then and lost to UConn, which was pretty cool. I sat at the bench because I was a scrub, but I was really good for like regular gym work, right? <laughs> But 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 that was that was incredible school, um, incredible program there. But for me, then I transferred to University of Virginia a few years in 
just because it was they had a they had a business like undergrad commerce school, which I was like, oh, this is all me. And so transferred to that school back then and undergraduate and, and graduated with my my degree in business. Uh, did a few years in corporate America and then went to Penn for my for my master's. And at that point, I had the entrepreneurial bug. I already knew that I was always thinking about tinkering things. I always loved to bring ideas to fruition. I was always like trying to figure something out. And this gave me more of the frameworks with which to look as not to make errors along that journey, right? Because they give you so many frameworks to think through. I was like, I already have this unique, in my my opinion, ability to like navigate, right? Like I talked about, understand like nuances, but like the frameworks make your kind of defenses like impenetrable. Like, okay, I'm not going to make that many mistakes. I'm not going to burn through cash. I'm not going to burn through a lot of things that you learn in trial and error. If I just go get some frameworks and understanding, plus you get the community of other people who have done it and are doing it. So you're kind of learning all together for the same kind of cause. I went to school with the Warby Parker guys, with the Allbirds guys, right? So <laughs> they were working on those plans at that time. It's like, you're like watching magic happen, right? So you get to like, you get to be on the ground floor of people building things and working through issues like in real time, which was like a great learning ground to just be next to that those kind of things happen. Yeah, in which we had both those uh, Allbirds and, and the Warby Parker, Neil from Warby Parker and talking about in the dorm room. And uh, I guess there was an article in GQ all of a sudden that they got. And all of a sudden, like, we were, yes, we were all there for it. We were all there <laughs> watching them do it and doing a trunk show and watching them sell through their glassware and being like, dude, incredible. Right. And so for me, we all had that bug. I just didn't know where to navigate it yet. I mean, that kind of brought me to the helicopter company with my buddies, Eddie and Tobin. Right. That was like, oh, I love food and beverage. Hello. <laughs> like this makes so much sense. And they had this idea about cocktail bitters at the time, which are a flavorful infusion of spices, fruit and bitter root, which is like synonymous with the cocktail. Right. And that was the same time when um, the cocktail renaissance was happening. Speakeasy culture was coming back. And we were like, yeah. wait a second. There are these products at every bar and restaurant in the world and no one knows the name or the function of them. Interesting proposition, market opportunities, not at all birds or a warby, but like nonetheless, there's something here. And it's fun and it's in our sweet spots of the things we love, right? Which was sharing information, sharing how to do and sharing food and beverage was like, oh, the cocktail occasion made the perfect sense to like have that intersectional moment to like become a a brand owner. And so like, that's what we did is went on that journey of like hobby-esque for a few years. And we called the project nights and weekends for like four years. We'd meet on Tuesday nights and the weekends and like scheme, right? Like here's the brand. Here's how we're going to do it. How do we sell? We don't know. And we learned up the kind of food and beverage ecosystem, like brick by brick by brick. Right. I had just graduated Wharton. So I had a little bit more frameworks to work through, I had like understanding of like the space, but also but the nuance of this space was like, OK, here's going to get tricky because there are so many different tiers and routes to market and like what needs to be disruptive and what needs to be kind of traditional or undesigned. Right. Yep. Especially in the niche category of cocktailing at that time, it, nothing, nothing was like had a perfect rhyme or reason. Right. So. For us, that was all about like learning each other, sharing the experience and like using the platform to be disruptive in the way we communicated about like, let's call it a secondary item to the spirit, right? The bitters and the mixers are like Robin to Batman. Yeah. So most people care about Batman. We were like, we're going to tell you all about Robin and the utility belt. People were like, what? Damari, what are you doing? What kind of stuff is this? And I, I was kind of going against the grain. But if you look at like all the kind of most of the alcohol companies from 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 back in the days, your yeah. Tangerays and whomever, those people were going against the grain. Their families were doing other things. And they were like, we're getting into spices. Everyone was like, yeah. what? <laughs> right? We're going to go traverse the globe and find these amazing spices and then put them in gin or rum or what have you. And like, we were that kind of the next, the new coming of that kind of the unbeknownst to like that we were doing up on purpose. It was just like fun and in design. And so we kind of built a career in a lot of ways about, about being against the grain and being disruptive in a space that is hundreds and thousands of years old. 
and it, it's great. Like you followed your passion, you did it with friends, which is sometimes difficult and, and partners and you launched the business and obviously it's been successful. And, you know, my question is, was there a time early on where you may have thought like, Hey, I followed my passion. I'm loving this. I'm enjoying this, but you know, maybe I should have done something else, or maybe I should have gone the easy route, so to speak, not against the grain. Yeah. You always have those moments, right? You always have those moments. I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Like, is this the right pathway? I'm like, am I an entrepreneur? Right. Or am I, tr- am I fooling myself? And for me, luckily enough, those, me- those moments are like very small and in between. They're like very small moments of like, of doubt, probably because number one, I'm probably stubborn. Right. I'm like, no, I'm going to figure this out. Like I've, like, I got it. Like, I can do this. The other part's the battery. There's an organic, like, battery in my back that's like, you can do it. Like, you can you can figure this out. Like, there's if you look at the world, you're like, there are people doing all kinds of amazing things that are small, medium, and large. You choose your own adventure in this one. If it's small, that's great. If it turns into something bigger, that's cool, too. But, like, you're you're in control of your choice in this destiny. So don't don't get tripped. And the crazy part is when, we, when I was having one of those moments, American Express called and they were like, do you want to do this national advertising campaign? And I was like, <laughs> what? They're like, yeah, the small business that you're doing and it's very against the grain. And I was like, click, 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 click. <laughs> it, it, it recenters you in like two seconds, right? And I'm lucky the window wasn't long enough, but it was like a, so those things kept happening over and over and over where the world spoke to us, right? And to me and said, mm, you got something you have a platform, you have a good product, it tastes great. There's a place for this. Now just continue on your journey and be kind of like be disruptive as much as possible. Understanding that there's a there's other things at play that either are going to work for you or against you. But like, yeah, it kept lining up. And I think when we get to it, this idea of, of where I'm at now, a pronghorn, again, is the same, the same thing, right? It just keeps like happening. And so that tells me I'm always on the right trajectory. I'm in the right direction. Right. It might be the, the, the perfect speed that I want every time, but it's the perfect direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I love that because you just explained it right there, the, the life of an entrepreneur. And we have a lot of listeners who they're in corporate America and they're thinking about jumping off the diving board. And the life of an entrepreneur, no matter how many times you've done it, how successful you've been, I always it's it's a roller coaster, right? One day you're like down here, the next day it's like you get that call from a client or American Express and you're like, oh my, we're on, t- we're going to be on top of the world. And how has that been for you to kind of navigate seeing both your folks really worked in jobs that were, you had those jobs. This was, this is what you did. There, there wasn't that probably unpredictability, except of course, what we always say in an entrepreneur, you can always get fired. But how has that been for you, that roller coaster ride? No, it's a, it's a great question. I love the ride, man. Like there's something about, at least for me, I realize it later in life, but I grew up in a tough neighborhood and I was always navigating some level of uncertainty. It might've just been getting like in a fight, right? Like, damn, you turn around the corners, like so-and-so's there, shit. Like we're going to have, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like <laughs> that kind of thing became like this other muscle that you're always kind of ready for uncertainty, whatever it was. Right. And so I got really comfortable early on kind of living in that space. And I think an entrepreneur has to be very, very aware that they don't know what's around the corner and they have to be uncomfortable in that space. So like, for me, it was like a space that like, again, it was almost ingratiated and anointed onto me. Like whether or not you want it or not, like when I'm going to give this to you, you're not going to know what kind of superpower it is yet, but like it will become one. And now I'm like, every day to your point, you're remanaging, you're managing the reprioritization of something. Right. Because there's a new entrance into the space of a new idea or a new 
challenge that just, and you know, it's coming. You just know what it is. Yeah. And so uh, I think, um, I love that space. It's crazy. I'm like, yeah, I think I get bored if I had to do the same thing every day and I could expect it. I'd probably be like, I'm out. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I'm, I'm the same, but, but what you said in terms of navigating kind of what's around the corner, the unpredictable, figuring that out, like that shaped you, that helped you. And even like you talked about coming from Queens, which I think is like the most diverse, like area in the world, suppose like the most languages or something are spoken there. 100%. And it's incredible just when you think about that. But I love how you talked about understanding because I think so much of being an entrepreneur is what's the next thing and then you talk about the battery that you had that you saw from your your parents every day your dad every day because what I've noticed on these interviews is it's there's a certain amount of luck involved there's certain amount of the idea timing but what it comes down to is those people who can do it day after day, persistence and pick themselves off the mat. And that's what it seems like you got at least growing up. And then just to move forward, tell us about now in terms of you were recently appointed, I guess, you know, CEO of, of Pronghorn. And, and I want you to tell first off, still the story with the cocktail company and then tell us what this really means and and what you're doing now because what you're doing now really has an opportunity to change the world i i think you would say no absolutely yeah my, the story you know and i'll tie it together when when at hella for the last decade right i think what started to happen organically and then i kind of took more shape of it was we started to realize that our customers value things beyond the product right and i think that's always been known but i think just in terms of product and services, that became more and more very clear that that's how consumers were changing in a lot of ways. The idea of luxury was no longer around bling bling or who has the coolest car. It was about like going deeper into your story. And so we decided at some point to sh- make sure that we were controlling our own narratives. We were already disseminating the, our own stories through the brand, but we, all, we weren't elevating it to ourselves so that you can hear us tell that story. Right. And so we started to use Hella as a platform more than the product itself. Like, okay, the product like sits on its own, it does its thing and it tastes great, but like bring it to life. And that became very intentional. And when we did that, I think other things started to matter in a bigger way. And our perspectives really started like our perspectives in building the company show up in the product. They show up in the the way that we distribute, who we talk to, how we do it. But then we wanted to come back and be like, but this is who's behind it. Here's who's behind the curtain, like telling the story. And here's why it shows up that way. Right. This is what it looks like when diverse thoughts, people, perspectives get together. This is the output. So let's work backwards so you can see like what the inputs are. They're us. They're all of these different people from different walks of life. And so when you kind of like absorb that with the other, let's call them um, initiatives that have been on the horizon, we think about Fawn Weaver and Uncle Neris and what they're doing in the space. She has a ventures fund that invested in Hella. And that's kind of like one of those things where same value systems doing the same work. Wait a minute. We're all we're all doing this, telling the same narrative of pushing diversity forward, but not through necessarily just for diversity sake, but because commercially it makes sense. Right. right. And lo and behold, Dan, Dan, and the founders of Pronghorn were thinking about the same thing at the same time. So you have, you know, a few different like vehicles and people that are behemoths in the industry, all thinking through the same thing with their own like lens, but they're all saying the same things like, oh, commercially, we're all successful. Unpack it and unveil like why, 
And so it was almost kismet that I met Dandy and Aaron as they were building Pronghorn as, as an idea. Like, wait a second, you're building this vehicle that for me, I'm already like a part of in a lot of ways, but not through a, a vehicle that, that's all about being disruptive in itself as an entity. Holy shit. Yeah. There's something that's here. We're really building community, right? We talked about community being centerpiece. We're talking about food and beverage being centerpiece. So for me, those are the center of my universes and they're the center of theirs. And so I think with all that experience and, and horsepower in a few rooms and a few amazing investors at the table, you can now bring this to life in a really disruptive way that is commercially viable, but does the right work, right? And has different perspectives to set up the tone and the tenor for the table, right? And so Pronghorn is like this amazing disruptive vehicle that's really, uh, the idea is to invest in two ways, two horns. And I'll tell you about the pronghorn itself. But these two horns, if you will, are about investing in entrepreneurs and founders that have amazing ideas and talent that we want to bring into the ecosystem itself because we feel like the consumption of alcohol and spirits is not pro rata with the representation from the founders POV and the talent POV, but Black Americans sure do consume it. And so how do we kind of reconcile that in some way? This idea of pronghorn was born. Amazing kind of like thesis, right? And the pronghorn to kind of exemplifies this, these, this idea of like moving fast um, with speed at pace um, for a long time, because we also understand that the pronghorn has 300 degrees vision, right? And can move at speeds at tens of miles per hour for hours. And it's only the, it's the second fastest land animal to the cheetah. We'll lose to a cheetah in the sprint, we'll beat a cheetah in a, in a marathon anytime, right? And so this idea of, of this animal that really exemplifies this motion of speed prowess, vision, and complexity, nimbleness is really a, a really a good symbol for this idea. I'm so happy that to talk more about it with you right now, because let's get into it. I'd love to. First off, Pronghorn and, and this opportunity, you know, not, not just bringing you in, but bringing you in as CEO. Obviously, there's a lot of faith in you. You've known this group. I mean, it's, it's, it's really... I think a, a tremendous representation of who you are and and what you've done in business to to get this opportunity. How did it come about? Honestly, Kismet, like this idea that that we all met kind of like in a space where, you know, we were, you know, Hella was trying to raise funds. We've been trying to raise funds and we, you know, like I said, Uncle Neris got the fights better than fights bigger bite at the apple. And we're like, oh my God, we're in good company. We're in gracious space. We're all doing the work. And Pronghorn was, was there at the table as well, right? A little bit later to the table, but at the table nonetheless, because they were building their vehicle. It was actually being built at the same time. And so when Pronghorn wanted to invest, they were like, well, we'd love to invest in Hala. This is an amazing entity, but we'd also like, you're also an amazing leader. And like, you are doing the work that we need and we want to ensure and have an aperture for our organization. Is that something, right? And to me, it was like, wait a second, this all makes sense. Like, you could, to, to the point we made earlier about like direction, right? Like, and we talk about like opportunity or luck. And to your point about the discipline, it's like all these things are coming together and being like, Jamari, look again. It's almost like a call from Amex. Like, hey, do you want like, uh, yeah, like we're doing yeah. this work. Of course, we're already doing it. Like you're telling me there's a bigger microphone with more resources to support more founders and more entrepreneurs and more talent and a bigger table. Are you kidding me? Like when, <laughs> right? Totally. When do we begin? Um, luckily enough, it had began. So what was that like? And I know it's only been this year, I think you could correct me, but like where you came in, became CEO, obviously, and investing in these different brands, you have Hella, like how, 
how has it all been for you over, let's say, these last three, four months, right? Like to your point, roller coaster, right? <laughs> like, like an amazing roller coaster. There's always going to be peaks and valleys. But like the first thing that I think I told the team was, this is an entrepreneurial endeavor, which means by definition, we're going to go up, down, sideways. We're going to spiral. We're going to go backwards, then go forwards, right? This is, this is what this is. I know this space. It's going to be all uncertain. So like get ready for it feeling uncomfortable. Right. This is going to be the switch where like if you never felt uncomfortable, you always felt like you had a stable job and a stable space and everything's happening at the same time. Shut that off. Right. We're going to we're going to turn it all the way up and it's going to feel funky. It's going to feel great at moments. But this is about the journey. Right. Like we need to we just want to know about one part of the process who's super. They talk to an enthusiast. Right. Who knows about all the different taste profiles. So like you just need to, be able to tell your story authentically every time. Like you need to be able to breathe it. Right. And that's why I tell about entrepreneurs. I'm like, if you can breathe your brand and your story, you can learn a lot of the rest of the things. But if you have a hard time, like, like living it and like emoting it, then it's probably going to be really hard to do this for a long time, to raise more money, to talk to, you know, big retailers, to talk to other big partnerships that you want to go to. You got to convince them that like your content, your brand is like worth like any amount of exposure or partnership or love and attention which means you have to be authentic about telling your story. So I'm looking for like founders who are like passionate about what they do and they do it every day and they have a similar battery, right? Like, where's the brick wall? You want me to run through it? You want me to drill through it, under it, over it? You want me to build a ladder? Like, how do I do it? But I'm going to get in through that wall. Right? How, so. do you, how do you find out if they've got that battery? For me, in hiring people, I think it's the most important thing. I understand where you got it now from the family, your mother, your father growing up, but how in, I guess it's several meetings or dealing with these entrepreneurs, how do you know if they, they act, if that battery actually works? That's a good question. There's not a perfect design, but what we try to do is give us enough touch points as possible. And so what we do, which is kind of different than I think a lot of other probably investment community members is we have a very long process of like vetting candidates right? Because we're doing the, the EQ tests and we're not just doing it with one person, right? We're sending our teams in for in different moments to talk to people about their own story. Like our first conversation, just like, what's your story? We don't even want to talk business. We just want to hear you tell us about your story and like where you are on your journey, because we're not going to fit for everyone as investors or partners, right? Like that's not going to work. And we also want to know, like, do we want to work with you? Because we're not only just investing, we're also then deploying our bespoke services against the brands and like really getting in hand-to-hand -hand combat with them and saying, okay, here's your playbook. What do you think about this? Here's our recommendations. Here's what we've seen in the marketplace. What do you think? And so like, you know, you want to know if you want to work with people first and foremost, yeah. whether or not you got to give them invest, right? And so I think we're sending in all of our team at different moments and during, let's call them interview processes, but to understand like what the design of that person is and what their prowess is for the space. Right. And what the shore ups that we need to happen, are they open to it? Like, do they have the, the willingness to like engage at that level or is every is a, is a fixed positions at which point then we know like that's not going to be something that we're going to we're going to work with because it's, it's hard. Right. So um, there's a lot of ways to do it, but it's not a perfect design. But what you do, and I think this goes back to the lens of like true diverse thought is like we have so many different diverse people coming from different backgrounds, ethnicities, works of life that you kind of like, OK, you take everyone's perspective. and so. What's unique about our kind of process as well is everyone has a say. Everyone can bring their thoughts to the table, right? And that's kind of by design. And again, when we talk about redesigning, reframing a thesis around how to invest, how to think through kind of being disruptive in the investor community space, 
as part of the process, which is what's disruptive, right? And like, I think in most places, you're not going to find a ton of people with a, a say-so, you know, making a decision of like what happens to, the, to, to your portfolio partner. In our case, everyone has a say, which I think is incredible. What have you loved the most about being in this role? So far, what's amazing about it is learning while building, like something that's new. There are new muscles here. I think we all probably come from one degree closer to the product as a KPI, if you will. And now our KPI is like, are we nurturing people, right? Are we fostering people through their journeys? And I think that to me is like, ooh, that's a cool new muscle to like really get our hands around. And I think that's a collective. We are all in that space where we're navigating how to push people and make them more kind of aware and more kind of ready for the game, right? And so I think that's a different KPI and a different thing that we, a different lens that I get to look through, which I think is super exciting. And so like Pronghorn's old idea is like investing in 57 companies and 57 and like over a hundred founders and 1800 kind of talent and acquisition partners to bring into the space. So it's all people, right? Like the whole thing is around like, like understanding where people's inequities are, how to fill them, what kind of help we can provide. Do we need a mentorship program here? Do we need a, a recruiting dinner series over here? Like what are all the touch points that allow for people to feel like they're connected to us as pronghorn, but then the larger community as a whole who are looking for talent in the space, right? Like we want to find a supply chain manager in Kentucky. We're not sure where to look because our job is to like to find people and nurture them through our system. Hopefully we just have a repository at some point very soon, which is like, we've been in concert with not only our portfolio companies, but all the talent that we're bringing to the table and kind of nurturing in the same way. Right. So I think for us, that people management, that people navigation at a high level and an intense level is like new untilled earth for all of us all in a different way. Yeah, I love that how you talk about that and just in terms of your learning and still understanding. I think for every entrepreneur, if you stop and the ones that are like, I know everything on this, it it doesn't work out. But But you brought it back to what you said at the beginning where your first interviews, when you're first talking to people, it's just about getting to know them. Do you want to work with them? Are they the right? Like, and it seems like to me for even as you go further, like everything is really based off of that. Is that person the right person you can communicate with, talk to? Are they going to be there for you? It feels like there's a reason that's the, there's a reason there's a reason that's the first interview you have where you just really want to find out about those people. Absolutely. And, I, and I'll tie it back to the question that you had at the beginning, right? When you get on that court and you're hooping for the first time with someone, I don't even want to score. I just want to, per, I just want to be able to understand like who I'm playing with, how they play, what their kind of organic truth is about themselves so that I can understand if they are the kind of person that steps out of bounds, but no one sees it, do they tell you they're out of bounds or not? Right. I want to know that before I do anything, before I commit to any kind of like, I got next type situation, I'm stepping on the court to understand like, what is the design and what is the intent and what is the motivation of the nine people on the court? Right. <laughs> and so like, that is my, that is the way I think about business, right? Uh, before I do anything, like what is our intent? What's our motivation? Are we aligned so that we can be on the same team or, or literally am I going to play you next? Right. <laughs> and so like, so, you know, that is what I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for that moment. And when I step on the court and I know that, and I know that, oh man, then you know me, I'm, I'm running point. Not and good. it's because I, I want to bring the best out of everyone because we're going to play again, right? It's about the journey. This is not like this game we won and I don't care what happens to everyone else and at all costs. No, 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 no. We're going to play and we're going to play again. And I'm going to play tomorrow. I'm going to play next week. We're going to play 10 years later 
And I want to make sure that you always know my intent was like to not only win, but the way I won mattered, right? The way I win mattered. The process at which I go through winning and making everyone feel like as they go through that journey with me at the lead, oh man, that's where it's sweet at, right? So I wanted to make sure that I I, I gave you that question and tied it all back. I didn't know it was going to happen like that, but. You know, it was, it was good because it was better than the other two guys who, uh, you know, <laughs> one said that he's clutch in business and clutch on the court. Uh, the other guy said he hustles, which he does. I got to give him that. But what you said and putting it together was definitely the best. I, I mean, I don't know how many more guys I could really interview because, uh, you know, funny thing <laughs> is you never know what anyone does until you're like, oh, like Jack Belcito. Oh, he was the CEO of Snapple, right? Or like, no you're idea. like what? <laughs> yeah, no idea and became my mentor. I had no idea for so many years. I was like, you get it. But they, we, we all see the same. I think not all, but there is a, a, a certain cut of cloth that sees the same design in other people, which at what point you become like, cool, like, oh, and that happened to me and Jack was like, wait a minute, I, I see it. You're deferring to me. You get it. You, you get it. I get it. But that doesn't mean the hustle's not there. That doesn't mean you can't be clutched. It doesn't mean, right? But it's not my definition. Now, I'll let everyone else tell those stories, right? What you will say is like floor general, right? Yeah. Like he cares about the game. He cares about the way he wins. He cares about the way people felt through the winning and after the game. Like all those things you cannot take away from me. And I know that right now, whether I'm clutch on Thursday at two, we'll see if that's Thursday at two or next week at six, whatever it is. Like, but no, it's, it's, I use it a lot. I use, I use that lens a lot of sports to like work through kind of like working because just like sports, literally every play, literally every play is uncertain, literally every play. Right. So it's a great like framework to look through. Before I let you go, I, I want to ask you coming from your startup and, and the business school thing and going through the roller coaster. I love the fact that like, you enjoy it because I'm like, I, I just wish it all went up. But uh, but if I was to ask you, if you had advice, you know, there's a lot of other listeners we have who are, they're starting out, right? They're, they may have went to school and, and they got a job and yeah, it's hard enough to get a job. And, but deep in their heart, you know, they, they might, they, they've got the bug or they, they know they have the bug. What advice do you give for anyone who's thinking about going out and being an entrepreneur in today's world? Man, that's a great question. I think there's a few things. One of them that, you know, when you think about your idea, a lot of people will say, I have an idea, but I don't want to share it. I think someone's going to take it. Like, you got to get rid of that mindset. Right? <laughs> exactly. Share as much as possible, right? Because like, you need to build all the different perspectives that we're talking about to understand like how to execute your idea, right? What are you missing? That's only going to come from different perspectives. So like share your idea with as many people as possible so they can get perspectives so that you don't make the average, right? Everyone can't be fortunate enough to or lucky enough in my case to go to business school and so those frameworks don't necessarily always exist, but we have the internet, right? I mean, there's, but perspectives are the most important. So share your idea. The other thing is that like being an entrepreneur is like a mindset. It's like practice, right? You can only get comfortable with something if you do it a bunch of times, right? So you got to kind of practice the entrepreneurial mindset of like the unknowns. Mm. You got to get into those repetitions. The repetitions are so important to like, if you get too comfortable, then something's off, right? So you got to know like, how, how do I challenge myself to be uncomfortable so that I could continue to have the entrepreneurial mindset, right? It's a, it's a game of like understanding what the opportunity is and where it's not, right? I have one resource unit where do I play the card it, over and over and over and over and over. So it's not a gamble, but it's an educated guess based on like practice. The other, the, the last thing I'll say is that recognize that to your point about it always going up, like 
that it's going to go up and down. The question is, is it overall up and to the right? Mm. Like if you look at the graph chart, right? Is it yeah. overall up and to the right? Yes, you're going to have peaks and valleys, no doubt. If it's always going down on that chart, like get out of Dodge. But as long as it's going up and to the right over a time horizon, like now you have choice. You maintain choice in whether or not you, you want to continue to do this, right? Is it going up and down the, at the right trajectory? That's your call. The right speed is trajectory. I love what I'm doing for my career and especially now at Pronghorn because it's about both pace and speed, right? So this marathon, I'm like, everyone agrees that we're on a marathon that's up and to the right. Let's go, awesome. <laughs> right? Because we know it's going to dip up and down. Yeah. Well, Jamar, it's been awesome uh, chatting with you and I could see it from day one. I don't know how many years ago we started playing, but I knew you had it in you where you weren't backing down and you were going to hustle and play hard. And like, for me, when I go out on the, when I see that, like, I know, like you have someone there who's got drive. Uh, I didn't know you had all the other stuff because you never talked to anyone else about like the smarts and like all the other like background family and watched it or whatever it came. But it's no wonder you've been such a, a, a huge success and best of luck. I mean, you really have a, a chance now to change people's lives. And, and that's got to be an incredible feeling. It feels incredible. And I, and I can't wait to continue to do it and do way more of it and do it at a huge scale where. Again, it influences others to want to copy the design because that's the overall intent is that this is a template. And if it works and it starts to have shape and form, that people are like, how do I do that too? And that's really going to be the, the symbol of whether or not we're successful. So thank you for having me. I'm super excited about the journey. I'm so glad to be a guest on your show on the way back up and to the right. Hey, hey, you're um, going up. We're going like more to the more you know straight I mean? up, like, you know, <laughs> We're exponential growth over here. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I awesome, appreciate man. you. Appreciate and I will you, see you on the court, I promise. Yeah, I know. I know. I, hope, I know we're going at different times now, but I'm 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 ha- I'm I'll trying find to it. I see there. you walking there every once in a while. I'll find it. I'm gonna find my space. We're like the old guys now. That's the scary part, man. <laughs> new journey. Awesome. Yep, new journey. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. that's R-O-B-E-R-T, T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.